Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Pediapod for March 2019. This month, genetic variation in the response to corticosteroids in preterm infants with bronchopulmonary dysplasia. Bronchopulmonary dysplasia, or BPD, is a form of chronic lung disease and results from extreme preterm birth. Preventative therapies for BPD are limited, but systemic corticosteroid therapy is used postnatally to reduce its severity. Studies have shown that it can lead to improved pulmonary outcomes. However, there's a lot of variation in the response to this treatment, and it's likely that genetic variability contributes to this range in phenotypic response. Tamara Lewis, a neonatologist at Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City, and her team, aim to identify pharmacogenetic variants associated with the clinical response to systemic corticosteroid treatment. Here's Tamara. Bronchopulmonary dysplasia is a form of chronic lung disease that is the result of extreme preterm birth. We know that infants that are born especially less than 28 weeks of gestational age are at high risk for developing bronchopulmonary dysplasia, and the risk increases with younger gestation. So in the NICU, Bronchopulmonary dysplasia, or BPD, is a disease that we treat very frequently in extreme preterm infants. And unfortunately, although there have been a lot of studies in this patient population, there are no current FDA-approved or EMA-approved therapies for BPD. But there is a standard therapeutic option, isn't there, for pediatric patients presenting with BPD? Yes, so in the NICU, the mainstays of therapy for BPD are, you know, assisted ventilation and optimal nutrition, because really the main way to improve BPD is to grow new and healthy lung tissue. But then there are some medications that are used fairly routinely in this patient population. So those include diuretic medications, inhaled and systemic corticosteroids, beta agonists, and rarely other types of um, pulmonary medications like um, inflammatory inhibitors of other classes. Now, so in terms of that systemic corticosteroid therapy, does that work for everyone? So the impetus for this research project was actually the clinical observation that different infants with BPD respond very differently to systemic corticosteroids. 
there is a very wide and unpredictable range of clinical effectiveness when we give clinically similar infants the same dose of systemic steroids. Some infants respond dramatically and you're able to wean the ventilator, wean the oxygen, and oftentimes even extubate those babies or take them off of mechanical ventilation. And then there's some babies that have no improvement at all. And we really cannot predict which babies will be, you know, quote unquote, responders versus non-responders. In this study, then, you were looking then specifically for genetic variability in the responsiveness of this pediatric population to the corticosteroid treatment, right? Yes, that's correct. First of all, was there any reason to believe that there might be a genetic contribution to the response? Well, if you look at other patient populations with um, chronic lung diseases and their variability in response to steroids, there have been studies showing genetic underpinnings of variability in drug response. So the two sort of prototype patient populations that we used to identify candidate genes and candidate genetic variants are asthma, uh, mostly pediatric asthma, because although pediatric asthma and BPD are not the same disease, they share many hallmark pathophysiologies such as inflammation, bronchospasm. There was also some literature about genetic variability in drug response among newborns when their mothers are given steroids perinatally and that genetic variation in newborns can affect the lung disease after birth when moms are given steroids around the time of birth. And so we had these two patient populations with known genetic underpinnings of variation in steroid response. And so we took the genes and genetic variants from those two populations and tested, do any of those genes and variants correspond with steroid response in our patient population in BPD. Okay, so armed with that information then, you essentially carried out a secondary analysis of another large randomized control trial. Tell me about that previous trial and how you set up your analysis for this study. Yes, so the previous trial is known as um, TOLSURF, or Trial of Late Surfactant Therapy. And this was a large randomized control trial that was assessing two arms, late surfactant versus placebo in very preterm infants who were at risk for BPD. And the primary outcome was, could late surfactant decrease the incidence of BPD? And the designers of that RCT had the foresight to collect genetic samples or DNA on many of the preterm infants. And also they collected information about co-medications that the infants received during the course of the clinical trial. Without going too dense into uh, kind of statistics and whatnot, essentially you then carried out a multivariate uh, regression analysis using some of those interesting SNPs and correlated them against something called the respiratory severity score. That is but essentially, that's your response to corticosteroids, right? That's right. The respiratory severity score is sort of a quantitative measure of lung function. It's something that you can calculate very precisely in an infant 
on day zero or the day before the infant received systemic steroids and then at day seven of treatment. And you can see, did the RSS stay the same? Did the RSS really go down drastically? That's what we would call a responder. And in a few infants, the RSS actually increases, meaning the infant continues to get worse despite getting started on systemic steroids. Tell me about the results then. Were there any key genetic variants that explained a lot of the difference in the response to steroids? So there was one um, candidate SNP in the gene corticotropin-releasing hormone receptor 1, or CRHR1, and this SNP was statistically significantly associated with the degree of steroid response, and this was very interesting to us because CRHR1 has a lot of biologic plausibility. This um, gene and SNP have found to be important in other patient populations when it comes to variation in steroid response, but also corticotropin-releasing hormone and its receptor are very intimately involved with the regulation of endogenous steroid homeostasis or endogenous steroid levels. And so physiologically, it makes sense that if you have varying degrees of endogenous steroid levels, it may change the way you react when you're given an exogenous steroid as a drug. And um, there's um, different alleles at this SNP, you can have a GG homozygote, a GT heterozygote, or a TT homozygote, and the T allele is the risk allele for being a non-responder. And in our cohort, we found that all four of the infants who got worse, their lung function got worse despite starting systemic steroids, were all TT homozygotes, so homozygous for the risk allele. That sounds like jackpot, really, in terms of looking for meaningful data in the SNPs. I mean, presumably, if you did screen an infant and they were TT homozygotes for that gene, then the risk would outweigh the benefit of, you know, administering steroids. Well, that is the big long-term goal, is to be able to identify a priori an infant who might have a non-favorable risk-benefit ratio. But I think this is the first study of its kind in this patient population, and the cohort was small. It was done on retrospective data, and so before we really bring this into clinical primetime use, the genetic variant and the importance of it needs to be validated in a prospective cohort. And we need to make sure that this holds up in a second study at the minimum. And so our group is actually prospectively enrolling preterm infants who are treated with systemic corticosteroids so that we can get a larger patient population to do a very similar study validate that this SNP is indeed important, but also potentially find other genetic variants that that can be added to this SNP in order to make our predictive model even stronger. Is it practical that pediatricians in the NICU are going to be able to genotype um, all of these sick patients quickly and, you know, systematically and in such huge numbers, especially when we're talking about sort of NICUs that deal with lots of premature children? 
So that's an interesting question, and it's actually one that I get asked at most of the research talks that I give about my notions of precision therapeutics in the NICU. And I do believe that is the future of neonatal medicine. And so I do believe that um, in the future, if we really find that some of these genetic variants are very important in our decision-making process, the flow of clinical neonatology will change to, um, to accommodate that. That was Tamara Lewis at Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City. And that's it for this month. Join us again next time for the next edition of Pediapod. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.